Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shots. Thank you, Scott Easy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have an exciting show for you, or at least the second part of this uh, segment of the show. Uh, We'll have an NBA roundtable with uh, two of the best in the business, also from the Capital Region, Tim Reynolds, who covers the NBA for uh, the uh, Associated Press, and Mark Kessiser, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. We're going to talk about the trade deadline, uh, LeBron James scoring record, and uh, some other newsy notes uh, from the NBA as the All-Star Weekend takes place in Salt Lake City starting Friday night. And the game is on Sunday, of course, all the... uh, uh, three-point competition the dunk contest takes place on saturday well let's ad- address the uh elephant in the room unfortunately for me and uh fellow philadelphia eagles fans a uh, tough loss sunday in super bowl 57 the chiefs uh with a strong second half won the game 38 35 on a field goal late in the game it's uh I, I I felt confident. I mean, I, I was nervous, but I felt confident because I thought the Eagles, you know, looked impressive in their two playoff victories over the Giants and the 49ers. Uh, just disappointing how it ended. The defense just didn't show up in the second half. I mean, I don't know what the heck happened there. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, no, no adjustments whatsoever. It's just mind-boggling that they could not stop the Chiefs. Maybe we should not be surprised, especially Patrick Mahomes, who looked like he injured his ankle again there late in the first half and the way he was limping off the field. I know uh, my son and I, my son Stephen and I were like, whoa, this could be a factor, could be a factor. Of course, they had the long halftime with Rihanna and her uh, act, musical act, and maybe that gave uh, Mahomes the time to... uh, uh, heal a little bit, and uh, what if them? Whatever they pumped him with more. I, I don't know what they did to get his ankle ready, but uh, yeah, just he, he's he's just a true superstar. There's no doubt about that. We got props to the Chiefs. I have, uh, I just have no complaints about the way they played. Um, just I, I'm disappointed in the Eagles' defense. I just I don't know what the heck happened. Uh, they just. I mean, you give credit to the Chiefs' offensive line for protecting Mahomes very well, but it just seems. Uh, some indecisions and some uh, the, 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 the secondary just made some bad decisions and uh, guys were wide open and uh, uh, it was a tough one again the pun- Eagles punting has been bad all year and it caught up to them there late that uh, uh, set up uh, things up there late in the game for the Chiefs and just uh, like I said just a tough loss I mean the ticky tacky foul on Bradbury I know he's Admitted afterwards, he did hold them, but it was just, it was ticky tacky. I mean, I, I don't think the officials did a great job in this game. It was, it was a early in the first quarter. It was a helmet to helmet hill. Uh, Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith that wasn't called, and I, I, we we see a lot of these helmet to helmet hits during the year. And it's just like three quarters of the time they're not called. I think this is where the league's got to have an official in the booth to, if they want to cut the headshots out let's let's get somebody in the booth to monitor this stuff and the call down you do that the replays uh if you there's something that was obvious uh, to overturn and it's just uh just uh, like i said it's a it's an interesting thing but i think the nfl should be really embarrassed right now they spent eighty thousand dollars on a field that, that was two years in the making and to see players slipping left and right was just uncalled for you spend that kind of money $80,000 on a field and it's that bad 
Really? What what's what was the problem? What, what I mean, I, we, uh, there's a slip house. Why was it so slippery? It makes no sense if you're having it in and out, uh, out you know, in the uh, sun. And the, the way they can they can slide a field out of the out of the stadium. Why why wasn't it uh, properly uh, managed? Um, I mean, and of course the paintings on the uh, the field, which I think affected uh, a field goal set by Kansas City early in the game. Yeah, and we noticed this back in Super Bowl Fifty Two when they had issues with the, the paint on the field uh, affecting kicks. So you, so maybe the NFL's got to look into something. But I think just the fact that the field was so awful just made no sense whatsoever. And uh, Rogers Goodell should be embarrassed. He should launch an investigation into this uh, to see why this happened. It, it's it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. This is your Game of the year, you have millions and millions, well, 100 million people watching this game, and you're seeing people slip. You can't do that. There was, they had the roof open with no rain whatsoever. Why, why, why was that? Why was that field so slippery? But um, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of my Eagles. I mean, this was a good year for them, a great year. I don't know they don't win the Super Bowl, but uh, it was the expectations. I, I to me were kind of low. We's, I, I back in training camp, and I had mentioned this a couple times that Jalen Hurts was, um, you know, they were saying some the Hurts was not looking good in training camp. His throws weren't there, but he proved a lot of everybody wrong. Maybe uh, some other people who have criticized him, a la Chris Sims, uh, maybe should wake up. I mean, Sim, I mean. Hurts was outstanding. I mean, I, the fumble, I, I, I think, inexplicable fumble aside, um, he was a great three, three touchdowns, two-point conversion. He kept that team, he kept the Eagles in that game. Um, and uh, I, I still think that his shoulder was separated for that game back in December at Chicago on a frigid day at Soldier Field when he was slammed to the turf. I still maintain that it, this wasn't a, it was more than a sprain. It was separated. because I think you could tell in the... Uh, the Hail Mary attempt there at the end of the game, Hurst's shoulder, you just could not, it barely reached the uh, Kansas City 20. Um, so I, I'm, ho- I'm hoping it was just, they'll get that fixed in the offseason and he'll be better than ever in uh, 2023. But uh, Nick Sirianni, I mean, he'll learn from this. The, the entire team will learn from this. And I think, and, and it looks like Jonathan Gannon is heading to Arizona as their new head coach. Well, you know, the defensive coordinator, they were so good. Bye bye. Maybe get a D offensive coordinator who knows what he's doing. I, I Gannon had his issues. I, I, I didn't, you know, sometimes you went to pressure, and you just wonder what the heck was going on. I, I, like I said, he did not make any adjustments, and that just I think cost the Eagles in the second half. Uh, so I hope he does well in Arizona. Not too well, obviously, but uh, uh, we'll see uh, what happens there. But uh, overall, uh, great season. For the Eagles, uh, my Eagles, and uh, look, looking forward to 2023, and now, you know, focus on the Sixers and the start of the Phillies season coming up. Spring training camps, are, uh, spring training's right around the corner, so that'll be a lot of fun to talk about uh, baseball and uh, fun stuff like that. So, I uh, appreciate you putting up with me in the last couple of weeks of my Eagles um, talk, and uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll leave this on a high note that the you know, congratulations, to the Chiefs, well deserved. Andy Reid, this is his second Super Bowl title. <laughs> Um, gets to be um, as servant that really cements his uh, for his uh, candidacy for the Hall of Fame now at this point. So, uh, so congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs.
Well, coming up, we'll have our NBA roundtable. We'll talk about uh, the trade deadline, the study, some of the stunning moves that uh, happened uh, last week. Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press and Mark Ketchis here of ESPN Radio. We'll talk about that in just a moment here on the Parting Shots Podcast. If you really want to know what's going on in your community, you have to read the Daily Gazette. We don't take a side. We're right down the middle and we're going to get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity from the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. Hi, this is Union College men's hockey head coach Josh Hoji. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Westbrook to James at the elbow. James turns, the crowd wants it. James free throw line. James Faye, jumper, good! NBA history in Los Angeles. LeBron James, a record that had stood for almost four decades. That was a call of Mark Kessler on ESPN Radio of LeBron James breaking the NBA scoring point record last Tuesday in Los Angeles. And uh, joining us now to talk NBA as we get set for the All-Star Game this weekend in Salt Lake City are two of the Capital Region's finest, Mark Kessler and uh, from the Associated Press, Tim Reynolds. Gentlemen, welcome aboard to this NBA Roundtable. Good to be on with you, Ken. Good to have a bunch of 518ers together. Love it. And that guy on that call was a little too excited. You should dial it back just a little bit, in my opinion. <laughs> that, that guy on that call is as good as it gets and should absolutely never dial it back. <laughs> and, and by the way, and I am, I am glad that finally people are going to recognize that the 518, we, we run this league. I mean, we do. Right. I mean, it's, look, I mean, we you know, Kesty, me, Riles, and Kevin. What? Well, we may we may not run the league, but you know, it's fun to say that we run the league. You and Riles run the league. I'll yeah. go with that. How about that? Riles, that basically uh, on the beach there running the league, huh? So. I, I had that I had that coveted Schenectady zip code for about five years when I was in high school. So it's as close as I I'll get to Pat Riley. Maybe, and maybe a a nice conversation in the bubble too at the hotel. That might be one and one a. We'll talk about LeBron James in a second. What I want to get to is Super Bowl week last week always gets the attention, but the NBA trade deadline just blew it away last Thursday. With Obviously, Kyrie Irving was traded a few days before the trade deadline to Dallas. Then overnight, Thursday morning, Kevin Durant shockingly gets traded to Phoenix. Tim, I mean, mean, there were a lot of trades on Thursday, and, and just going through that, just... What's happening in Brooklyn? Well, it, it ran its course. It, it didn't work. Um, I, I, you know, and, and okay, so you have James Harden, you have Kyrie Irving, you have Kevin Durant, and now you don't have any of them. Brooklyn didn't tear it down, though. Like, Brooklyn got, they, they got back pretty much all of the draft capital that they had to give up to make those deals. They got really good players, some really good guys.
guys, like some really good people. I think Brooklyn did about as well as it could do while acknowledging that, okay, we, we swung for the five-run homer and it didn't work. They're, they're not going to fall to the bottom of the league. Um, they're not going to become a 10-win Nets team next year. Um, they're still very much in the Eastern Conference play-in slash playoff mix this season. Um, they have an owner who will spend. They, it, it's They didn't come out of it as badly as people might think. Now, on the flip side, you have three perennial all-stars, three iconic players, three future Hall of Famers, and you didn't get a single all-star back for them. People will very easily point to that and say, well, Sean Marks did a poor job, but all things considered, he knew Kevin Durant was going to ask out this summer. Um, When a star who is under contract asks out, you have to trade him. That's the rule. You can't have a disgruntled star making the kind of money that Kevin Durant's going to make. He had to do something, and he did He did pretty well. If, if he had waited until the summer, teams would have known they were desperate, and Sean Marks would not have gotten as good a return as he got in this deal. Mark, do you think Ben Simmons is a factor in this? I mean, I'm a Sixers fan, and how he was just the, the, uh, you know, blew that game seven against the Hawks a couple years ago in the playoffs. I mean, it was, you know, where's Ben Simmons been in all this? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of he's kind of the byproduct, at least from from my in my opinion, from you know some of the dysfunction and um, you know we knew James Harden wanted out. We got some clarity on that in the last week or so that even he was like, "What's going on here?" And, you know, they just had to make a deal. To me, he's kind of you know part B in the whole saga, and that's on the court and off the court because I I don't know what you do with him at this point, and I don't even know if. Um, they know what to do with him on the court, and Jock Vaughn's a pretty smart guy. And, you know, they'll—I guess—they'll have to figure out something. So I don't know how big he is in the whole scheme of things. Obviously, Kyrie had to go; they facilitated that, um, and then Kevin had to decide—you know—where what he wanted to do. Did he want to stay and try to build around him, or you know, as Tim just pointed out, he he wanted out, and you know, they made that happen for him. But it's an amazing fall from grace and not that he was you know in a lofty position but he was you know turning into a perennial all-star um you know to go from that moment in was it game seven against atlanta in the second round a couple of years ago to you know no show last year uh you know between the trade between uh the, the mental issues and then the back issues and then you know some promise of maybe you could deliver something, and it's it's just not there. It's a it's a complete mess. But it seems to be the side story uh, with, with what's going on in Brooklyn. Tim, uh, Kyrie Irving, I mean, he's his, I'll, I'll say probably the best way to describe it. He's a unique individual. Um, he has some interesting theories. Um, and we, I think it was like a week or two before he was saying we should be all in, get ready you know, to you know, try to go to championship, and then. All of a sudden, he requests a trade. I mean, what is it about Kyrie Irving that makes him unique? Well, we, we should go to break and then come back for five. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, there's a lot. I mean, there's so many layers here. First of all, I, I don't pretend like I, I understand Kyrie because I don't, and I don't pretend like I really know Kyrie because I don't. I've, I've spoken to him. Mark spoke. We, we, you know him, but you don't know him. You know, so 
I look at, to, to me, I think a very, something we don't talk enough about in the latest sagas of Kyrie is Kyrie really had, as I understand it, one mentor in the NBA, and it was Kobe. And when you look at some of the decisions Kyrie has made and some of the things he said and the way he has said them, I mean, yeah, the, the, the flat earth thing was, was before Kobe passed. I think Kyrie is really struggling without Kobe as a sounding board, as somebody to guide him, as somebody to help talk him through challenges. Look, Kyrie's an incredibly smart guy. We all get that. Um, but even in the first week of his tenure in Dallas, you you see he, he, he likes to recast history. He likes to recast his own history. Um, you, 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 there's already, I think, very legitimate questions about how will he and Luca figure this out. It takes guys time. To figure it out and and i don't know if Kyrie is somebody that really wants to collaborate with anyone whether it's when he's putting out messaging whether it's causes or whether it's on the basketball court he he wanted to be part of something bigger than him he said when he went to boston promised celtics fans he would stay you know what happened there mm-hmm. like you just said can we you know two weeks ago he's talking about we're all in we got to do this in brooklyn and then the, the, the contract extension talks don't go to his liking and he demands out. I, I, I just, I, I don't, he, he's on the cusp of running out of chances. And this summer, if Dallas doesn't win an NBA title this year, it, it's, he, Kyrie's going to have a very difficult time finding a team that's willing to commit a lot of years and a lot of money to him just because the unpredictability, I think, will scare everybody. And I think when you look at it all, he's just changed so much since Kobe passed. I wonder if he, I wonder how much of a role Kobe really had in keeping him on somewhat of a basketball path. Because we don't talk about basketball with Kyrie anymore. And it's unfortunate because he's one of the best ball handlers in the game, maybe the best. It's unfortunate that in the last three years, it's all about all the other stuff. Yeah. Mark, uh, for you, all these with all these traits, does suddenly the West Western Conference become the best conference in the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny from a personal standpoint. Um, one of the great things about working at ESPN Radio is, unlike TV, where ESPN has one conference uh, final and TNT has the other, we have both, and so it's kind of a fun game around All Star Weekend as we all, you know, collaborate in Salt Lake City is to start to haggle over. Which conference do you want to go to? What do you want to go to? And so PJ, Carlissimo, and myself, you know, secretly for the last couple of weeks are, it's got to be the East, right? I mean, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, and at the time we're talking Brooklyn, you know, that could really set up well. And and then uh, I wasn't, uh, PJ wasn't with me in Los Angeles for the two LeBron game, well, one LeBron game that we ended up doing Um he was with the Spurs and having his uh, five gallons of wine with Greg Popovich after every game uh, road trip. And I started getting text messages. Well, maybe we should go to the West. <laughs> maybe that's where all the, the talent has shifted. Uh, my general rule of thumb is don't root for anything because uh, the one you pick uh, 
will not we would last year we were in the west we were expecting um you know that golden state phoenix conference finals that didn't materialize so uh but a long way to answer your question that yes a lot of talent has migrated west obviously uh when once kevin durant gets healthy we'll see how that all gels together i i only had denver once this year but uh, they've been incredible um, we've had a lot of Memphis games, and I'm pretty sure uh, Taylor Jenkins kind of glared at us on Sunday in Boston. Like, you guys shouldn't do any more uh, regular season Memphis Grizzlies games, please. They've been um, a little bit on a downturn here the last month or so. We'll see what happens in Dallas. I think everybody thought the Clippers were going to be great at the beginning of the year, and I don't know if that all fires and gets together, but uh, a long way to make your point. Yes, a bunch of trades have seemingly has – uh, it's felt like there's been some power shift to this sprint to the finish. Tim, uh, who, uh, uh, who benefits in the Eastern Conference of all these moves? Um, everybody but Brooklyn. <laughs> so, I mean, Boston and Milwaukee weren't necessarily worried about Brooklyn to begin with. Um, you know, for nobody has talked about Philly all year. And, and, and it's it's bizarre to me that that's the case. Well, we, um, we were too busy with the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> and the before Phillies that. before that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Joe, I mean, Joel's playing out of his mind, um, and, and I still don't think they've hit their best stride. Like, I, I really don't think they've hit their best stride. I don't think anybody in the East, Milwaukee included, wants to see healthy Joel Embiid coming for a best of seven. Uh, the question will be the health with them. I, I think probably the biggest benefactors are the teams like the Cavs, the Knicks, and the Heat, who now with Brooklyn, you know, I, I, I still think there'll be a playoff at minimum play-in team. They're not going to be a four seed. Like Brooklyn, you know, th- there is now another spot open for home court in round one. And I think that's going to be the race within the race. Boston, Milwaukee, Philly will be one, two, three in some order, probably in that order. Uh, the race is for four. Can mm-hmm. Cleveland hang on? Can New York get there? Can Miami overtake them all? The race is for that last home court spot. And I think those might be the biggest benefactors of Brooklyn taking themselves out of title contention. Still a good team contention, but not in title contention. And Tim, that's a great point, too, because now you take what looked like a four-team race to a three, and now who gets number one is huge. You know, let two and three battle it out in round two. Theoretically, you get that top seat. Maybe you have yourself a nice, uh, easier landing spot into the conference final. Well, to that end, too, don't forget, you're also playing for the top spot in the NBA. And if the West is going to go back to beating itself up and everybody, everybody having a chance, except for the Houstons and San Antonios, um, there's no nights off in the West. So the Boston Milwaukee winner of, of, of the regular, you know, the, it's it's. I mean, unless it's Denver, it's a pretty safe bet that Boston or Milwaukee will finish with a better record than anybody out west, and that gives you Game One and Game Seven of the finals potentially at home, and that's a big, big bonus for the East too. If the East has an easier regular season path, their record's going to be better than probably anybody out west, and that gives everybody wants to have Game One and Game Seven of the NBA Finals in their building. Who won the trade deadline? And who, who was the biggest loser? I'm sorry, Tim. Um, well, Phoenix, I think Phoenix is the winner. Um, I, I think Kevin Durant can play forever. 
I, I honestly do. Um, he got hurt in Miami, you know, on a couple of freak plays. Um, Jimmy Butler falling into him awkwardly, you know, from the back, um, I think is what kind of finished the knee off. And he had hurt the knee earlier in that game with Kyle Lowry uh, taking a charge on it. Um, which was kind of a hilarious look, you know, five foot, whatever he is, Kyle Lowry against eight foot, 12, Kevin Durant. <laughs> In Phoenix got the consummate champion. Kevin Durant's an absolute pro. USA Basketball Board of Directors, three-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time NBA champion, top 50 player, top 20 player, top 10 player, whatever he wants to be of all time. Um, and Phoenix has been less than highly functional this season. So now you bring in the consummate winner. And if that team wants to play the way Kevin Durant wants to play, Phoenix gets scary again. It's very scary if, if they want to play the right way. Um, so they win. Uh, the, the team that lost the deadline, uh, I mean, it, it's hard to argue that Brooklyn didn't. Um I would say Golden State probably should have done more, but they got out. Of the, I mean, they got out of some of the tax. I'll tell you one other under, understated winner of the trade deadline: Philly, because Philly got out of the tax, and that sets them up for things that they can do next year and the year beyond. The repeater tax is so punitive. Philly getting out of the tax line with the little moves that they made—that's a really big deal for the future. That's a great point because look at Golden State. Like they took a guy who may not play in the second half of the year because they wanted to lessen that tax burden that they've they've had the last few years. But I agree with Tim. I mean, Phoenix to me, far and away, and it's still on paper until we see Kevin. But he, you know, Tim's right. I mean, look how he came back from from the Achilles and and how he played this year. That it feels like that can only uh that can only work in the end i like some of the smaller moves too um you know mike muscala is not a name that's gonna you know uh, move the needles in nba land but i thought that's a great depth move for boston who's got to be one of the you know deepest teams in the league jay crowder hasn't played all year but that just smells like a really good deadline deal for milwaukee um that they made tabs kind of held pat i thought you know they would try to improve but I've, I've become a real big fan we've had cleveland a couple of times and that's just a team with so much youth i mean they've got to take those steps you know that you usually have to take before you advance far in the nba but uh, I, I think the biggest loser is um you know whoever has to count second round draft picks traded because uh <laughs> it's a minimum of five per trade this year I, I didn't even know teams had that many second round draft picks i didn't know you could move that many well, one, <laughs> one one thing i do want to add on cleveland though mark they're very young. Danny Green. Yes, that's true. Green, Green is such, Danny yep. Green is such a good guy, dude. Yes, he I, is. I know he came back for a couple games before the move after the ACL last year in the playoffs. Danny Green is a good, 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 good guy. And great guy to have on your you know, team. Donovan yeah. Mitchell is a good guy. Kevin no. Love is a good guy. Um and Cleveland plays differently than just about everybody else in the East because they're so big. Mm -hmm. um, putting a good dude in there, if, he, if Danny Green can give him anything, Cleveland, Cleveland, I think, did get a little better.
It's interesting because you know you talk about their size, and I just think of Evan Mobley, who I think when he stands in the middle of the floor, each fingertip touches the sideline, and he's so darn athletic. That would be that, you know, because Boston's huge too. That would they would be a pain in the butt if that was a second round matchup against the Celtics. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, and then, well, either way, I mean, whether it's Milwaukee or Boston, I mean, yeah. Brook and Giannis. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how the Bucks take one plane to games. <laughs> That's right. Know. And and you know, Jay Crowder is is not tall, but he's long. Yep. I mean, Middleton. I mean, that they there is some freakish athleticism at the top of the East, and Cleveland knows it has it. What Cleveland didn't have was a lot of guys that have been through the battles. Obviously, you have Kevin Love, but you don't have a lot of other guys. We've been through them. Donovan Mitchell has never been past the second round. Um, Danny Green's won a ring, I think, just about everywhere he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has moments in the postseason that J.B. Bickerstaff, I think, is going to have a lot of fun drawing up a couple of things for him when they get there. Well, guys, let's, let's take a break here, and uh, we'll talk more about LeBron James scoring uh, with the scoring record and uh, the All-Star Game and other NBA notes uh, and news. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast. So, how are the kids? Well, Emily made the honor roll. Oh, good for her. Yeah, we're really proud of her. Tyler, on the other hand, though. What's going on? He's been moody lately, just feeling down and not like himself. Oh, we've been there. Nick was struggling last spring. He was so anxious and stressed. Really? What helped? Well, he joined the soccer team. And ever since, he's been a lot happier. He has more energy, he's less stressed, and he's definitely in a better mood at home. It's made a huge difference. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad he's getting out of the house, he's getting some exercise, and he's off his phone for once. It's been good for his mental health. Sounds like it's been good for your mental health, too. Participating in New York high school sports improves students' physical and mental health. Encourage your son or daughter to get involved. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports and formerly of News Channel 13 WNYT. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast and our NBA roundtable with Tim Reynolds of the Associated Press and Mark Ketchester of ESPN Radio. Uh, we mentioned LeBron James at the top of the first segment with the, with the call there, Mark. You were in the building, obviously. What was that uh, night uh, like for you to call that game and be a part of history? That was that was so much fun. Now that I can look back on it, uh, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of pressure knowing I knew I had both games. I had the Tuesday game against OKC. I had the Thursday game against Milwaukee. He needed 36 and it seemed like, all right, you know, we can kind of ease into this. I don't know if he's getting it tonight, but we'll be here on Thursday if not. And then, you know, everyone started commenting on the clothes he was wearing or the look in his eyes. There was just something that said something special was going to happen. And a perfect example for me is uh, I got to work with Vince Carter as uh, my analyst, his first ever time on the radio, and apparently the first ever time he walked in a media entrance because, uh, I mean, he's getting assailed by fans, you know, BC, half man, half amazing, and he's kind of, you know, 
crawling into a shell a little bit. I said, Vince, you good? And he's like, I think I've only ever gone through the tunnel my entire life. And I said, hey, welcome to radio. <laughs> and then we get into the building and that all stops, which I noticed on Thursday because the Vince Carter chant started again on Thursday uh, when uh, the A-lists weren't there. But there were. that's a long way to say. I mean, you went ring to ring from the baseline along the sideline to the other baseline and the opposite side. And it was just... NBA royalty, music royalty, uh, Hollywood royalty, you name it. It was um, remarkable. So that was the setting. The crowd was juiced every time he scored. He had a couple of big blitzes in scoring that got him closer. And then, you know, everyone was wondering, would it be the sky hook or some kind of jump hook? And we watched him practice it, uh, you know, a couple hours before with Phil Handy, the assistant. And then on that first possession, when he's two away, it looked like that's what he wanted to do. He was kind of left baseline. And uh, I forgot who got out on him defensively for OKC, but kind of shut it down. And then the next time down floor... Um, you know, he took that fade away from the free throw line and scored. And so he didn't make us wait. That was a great part of the drama as well. And Kareem was there to literally pass the torch. I mean, you could not have scripted any better. It was, it was just a great night. The uh, energy inside the building was just electric. Tim, what is uh, LeBron's legacy? Is it more, more than just uh, what he's done on the court? Oh, absolutely. We did we, we did a ton of stories. Um you know, as everybody pretty much did, leading up to the record. And the story I had the most fun doing, believe it or not, was about the off-court legacy. And, and there's always healthy skepticism, right? I mean, all these guys, they give away backpacks with school supplies, and they give away bicycles, and they, you know, they all have foundations, and they're doing something. But you don't really know what it means. So we decided that we were going to go try to find who is it really helping like, who are the people that he's actually touched? And, and we found this girl who's a sophomore at the University of Akron named Maya Smiley. She's 19. Um, she was very open about her upbringing. And let's just say it was a very challenging upbringing. Um, her, her biological father is incarcerated. Um, her mother and her stepfather, um, she shared with us had not been the have not always made the best decisions let's just put it that way in, in in their own lives when it came to finances and things like that she lived in a bunch of homes didn't always know where the next meal was coming from this girl is succeeding in college on her way to becoming a social worker because she wants to help people the way lebron helped her she would not be in college if not for lebron if not for lebron's foundation if not for and it's not just a scholarship. Like, they're there. They ha- they are on Akron's campus. And they do the same thing at Kent State and a couple other schools. The LeBron James Foundation, if we sent you there, we're going to take care of you. What do you need? You need tutoring? We got you. You're, you can't find the power cord for your iPad? We got you. Your tablet broke? We got you. You need this. What he has done is shown people a way out. And that not everybody's 6'8", 260, and is one of the greatest athletes in the history of the world. He's shown people that there are ways that you can better yourself. And I think that's going to be the legacy. He'll always be in the GOAT conversation, and we'll never have a GOAT because there is no GOAT. People will love his, what he did in basketball. People will hate what he did in basketball. But that guy is changing 
a lot of lives, thousands and thousands of lives in Northeast Ohio. And it's not going to end when he's done playing. And I don't think we talk about that enough with LeBron. How many more years do you think he has? He's under contract for two, and that's $97.1 million that he'd be leaving off the table. <laughs> um, you know, a, a lot of it, I think, will it'll, it'll, obviously it goes on health. You know, I mean, he's not as unbreakable as he was. Um, you know, the little nagging things, I think, are piling up, which makes sense. He's in year 20. Um, but he has always said that as long as he still has the heart and the brain to do this, he'll be out there. We all know he wants to play with his son. Um, Bronny could be in the league, you know, a year and a half from now. You know, uh, it, it, it could happen that quickly. I don't know if he's ready. I don't know if he's good enough to be an NBA player. He's in high school. We don't know what his ceiling is. We, but it, it, he's going to play at least until then. He wants the opportunity to play with one of his sons. So I think he'll play next year. I think he'll play the year after that. And then we might we might not even be year to year. We might be day to day at that point with him. But um, I, I think he's going to push this record um, well, well, well out of reach for anyone in this generation. Well, the NBA All-Star Game is uh, Sunday in Salt Lake City. Of course, they have the All-Star Weekend uh, leading up to the game. We know the an unusual format this year. We know the players, uh, Mark, but we don't know who what team they're on. I mean, how how difficult <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that going into the going into sunday it's funny because um i was staying at the same hotel as the turner guys in cleveland uh last week and kevin harlan came out to uh, dine with us and kevin's not doing the sunday all-star game he's doing all-star saturday night to which he was kind of excited he's like hey i'll you know i get out of here brian anderson will take care of it and then he said but i woke up the other morning and i thought of you and i said well that's odd and he goes <laughs> no I, it's just that how are you going to put your boards together and here's what i was thinking so here's kevin harlan one of the greatest broadcasters of our generation basically giving me a blueprint of what i should do um i don't know what i'm going to do i'll probably take kevin's idea which was to put all the players on index cards and then as they're being drafted just kind of tape them into the side of a manila folder <laughs> so i have no idea but i do know this when i was in boston the other day i asked joe missoula who will be uh, team Giannis's head coach i'm like look i understand that it's an all-star game and these guys don't need that much direction but how do you coach a team you don't know i mean traditionally we have an all-star practice and I know maybe a, you, you, you just uh, throw in a couple of things together, but, you know, even just thinking about rotations, that's what PJ Carlosmo is telling me. Like, I'd like to at least have an idea of how I'm going to split up some of these minutes with these great guys. So, so it's uh, it's going to be an interesting night for all of us, whether it's those who need to broadcast and uh, have to put some kind of um, cheat sheet together. Although I don't even know if I look down during an all-star game, A, because you know everybody, and B, because, uh, you know, the baskets happen so fast with all the different acrobatic dunks and then the 70-foot outlets to the next dunk. And so, uh, you know, we'll manage through it, broadcasters, coaches, and hopefully – it turns out to be as exciting as some of the last few have been. Whether or not you like the, you know, the Elam ending, the target, the target score outside of the first year they did it in Chicago when there was a free throw to win it, we've actually had a pretty good good finish, including LeBron hitting the game winner in Cleveland last year. Yeah, uh, 
of course, the Saturday's uh, all the dunk contest, the three-point shooting contest. I don't know if it's been officially announced yet, but we hear that Kevin Herter, uh, Tim, is going to participate in the three-point shooting contest. Of course, Kevin from Shenandoah High School, and he's got uh, Sacramento Kings in first place in the uh, Pacific Division. Well, when, when does the pod drop, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> well, we went probably Wednesday, so we're talking here on Tuesday, so it might drop on Wednesday. So we can say that Kevin Herter is officially at the three-point contest. <laughs> Wednesday, um, and, and he's you know he's known for a couple weeks. You know, a lot of us have known for a couple weeks. Um, I, I think it's it's fantastic for him. I, I want to say this about Kevin. First off, I was adamantly um, anti-team headband coming into the year. I felt the headband was a mistake. <laughs> I told him this repeatedly. Um, and I was wrong. I just want to say I was 100% wrong. The headband works. Um, he's in the All-Star game or in All-Star weekend. I think it's just going to be a great experience for Kev. The whole family's going out there except for Megan. Megan's got a game um, with Providence. But, you know, you know, Thomas is going with his fiance. Of course, his parents are going. Jillian's coming out. Um, now at Rutgers, Jillian Herter's coming out to the game. It, it's just going to be such a neat thing to see him in that moment, in that spotlight, um, I can't imagine the pressure. I mean, the whole world's watching you shoot threes. It's and, and shooting off a rack is different. I'm I'm so happy for him. I'm so glad he got there. Um, I hope it's the first of many. And he has been a big part of what they're doing in Sacramento. And look, Sacramento is one of the few teams that really didn't. They really stay quiet at trade deadline time, right? I mean, they like their team. They like what they have. I don't think that's a team that anybody's going to want to see coming to the West playoffs either because they're not going to be burdened by anything. They, they came into the year with zero expectation. Nobody expected anything from them on the outside. They've played, you know, they don't play loose and free like careless, but they play they play loose and free because when they lose one night, they know they're going to win the next. And it's neat to see that confidence building, and it's really neat to see Kevin in a better program than what he had in Atlanta. Um, I think it's a better situation. It's a better fit farther from home. But I think he's flourished there, and him getting a chance to be part of this weekend, I think it's going to be awesome. Mark, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to that too because um, of all the things we do on Saturday night, uh, you know, the dunk contest is not my specialty on radio. It's, it, you know, it's hard enough to even understanding what you're seeing in real time when it happens on television or in person. And PJ Carlissimo always threatens to make a, uh, a restaurant reservation for right about the time Saturday night starts. So I'm kind of on my own. And the three point contest is that's the, I love that of everything we do. And although the Rising Stars game is always exciting, too, because it's players on teams that we don't get to see on a national basis in person and live. That's why broadcasting Oklahoma City was great, even though I had to call two Jalen Williamses and a Kenrich Williams at the same time. You love to see the new guys, and there is so much talent in the league, young talent. So Friday will be fun, but... The three-point contest is my favorite. I'm happy for Kevin. Uh, you know, from a personal side, I was a little uh, not disappointed, but, you know, going all the way to Sacramento, like like Tim said, you know, I used to see uh, Tommy quite a bit because you can, I mean, Atlanta, geez, for all of us who have to, you know, travel 
that don't live in big uh, cities. I'm through Atlanta like every other day on Delta Airlines. So that's about as easy as it is to uh, go see the Hawks play. And, you know, he would have been a great fit in Boston. But um, what Mike Brown has done there, even De'Aaron Fox, who has had all-star quality seasons the last couple of years but just couldn't make the cut and then this year looked like he wouldn't injury replacement but he's a perfect example of what mike has done in sacramento he you know he was hard on and on De'Aaron earlier this year and i think all of them he's he's expecting more from them they're talented you know they shouldn't have to go 16 years before making the playoffs and um you know they have played exceedingly well here in this first half so Happy for Sacramento. I have a couple of all-stars. First time, I think, in a generation. And uh, to to have a chance to call Kevin Herter at the three-point contest as a fellow uh, 518-er, that'll be great. One thing I want want to add about the Kings, too, just to play off one of Mark's points, um, Mike Brown has done an amazing job. And one of the things that the Kings do differently than every team in the NBA, the Kings practice. You don't see a lot of practice in the NBA anymore just because of the schedule. You play one day, then you travel, then you play the next day. The Kings will practice more often than not on that off day. Like Mike knows they're not where they need to be. So they drill, they watch film, they get after it in practice. It's not training camp practices. It's not the old Pat Riley two-and-a-half-hour practices. But they really, really work on the court more than I think most every team in the NBA you see the, and you see the result of that and people don't realize that that's huge I mean I remember I forget which team it was but they said they hadn't practiced in three weeks I mean that's insane but that's the schedule Miami has practiced Miami has had a real practice I think three times in about a month and a half wow wow well, I'll never forgive Kevin Herter for what he did two years ago against my Sixers. In the... <laughs> he got he got Ben Simmons out of there. You're welcome. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Well, let's uh, wrap this up with um, thoughts on what we can look for in the second half of the season after the All-Star break. Start with Tim. Well, like we've alluded to, I think the West is going to be crazy. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting time in New York. I think the Knicks will be in the mix or play off. I think the Nets will still play games that matter. Um, we all want to see what what you know what Kevin Durant will be. We want to see if the Lakers can pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and can LeBron get into the play in. Um, we've barely mentioned Golden State. The defending champs right now are very much on the ropes in a loaded West. Steph has already said that when he when the All-Star break ends, when they come back, he won't be ready to play immediately coming out of the break. And so much is going to depend on health. Some teams going to get hot. Some teams are, are not. The standings, I think, in the West and that middle of the pack are going to change every single day. And then for a lot of these teams, we're going to know very soon that the next outcome that matters for them is going to be in mid-May in the lottery in some hotel in Chicago when the league tells us who's going to get Victor Wembanyama. Um, that is, so there's some fascinating, it's, it's either we're all in on a title or we're all in on getting this kid from France. The dynamics I think are fascinating. I think the West is going to be insane. The East race will be a lot of fun, but Mark, tell me if I'm wrong. This, this yeah. was, I don't remember a year where you could literally point to 10 teams and say they're going to be the NBA champions. And it won't surprise you if they actually do it. Yeah, we've come a long way from a few years ago. You just pencil in Cleveland and Golden State, and I'll see you on uh, June 2nd. That's, you know, basically what it was. And I agree. I think, look, in the East, 
Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, we know that. I'm fascinated to see where Cleveland goes from here. Um, Miami, who's had an uptick of playing and certainly has plenty of talent, where they end up and the Knicks, I'm with you on that one. Crappy Rutgers in Miami, though. I'm just, okay, they need, they, need better, they need a better wire service guy immediately down here. The newspaper guys are great, but the wire service guy, man. Well, I, I think maybe just, you know, improve the seat location. You know, maybe right on the middle of the floor. That would be good. Uh, in the West, uh, Denver is, you know, far and away the team. Uh, Phoenix, we'll see how that comes together. Dallas and the Clippers. I'm with Tim Pick, the two points I was going to say. And it's growing. It's, it feels harder and harder by day to feel like the Lakers can make that jump. All we've said all year is, well, they're 13th in the West, but they're only four games out of the sixth spot. And all that's true. But they have not been able to put it together. So maybe LeBron gets healthy. Let's hope Anthony Davis gets healthy. I like what they did at the trade deadline. We'll see if that can if they can get it together. The Warriors just feel to me, um, and hopefully Steph can get back to 100%. It just feels like they, they they put it all out there last year, and it gets harder and harder to have that extended season and come back and be able to uh, put it together the next year. But, you know, those are the big stories. And then, of course, the biggest one is the soundbite that won't go away. Is John Morant still fine with the West when it's all said and done? Yeah. I don't know. I love no. that team. I really do love that team, but there's just something that's a little off right now, and it's more than just the inability to close games. Um, you know, as that gap has separated between Denver and Memphis here as we hit the All-Star break. Well, let's, let's do this again at the finals. This is a great NBA roundtable discussion. Let's, 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 let's pencil us in for the uh, finals. It was a treat to listen to you and Tim Reynolds wax poetic NBA. I was just along for the ride, gentlemen. <laughs> I just, I, all I took away from the last 40 minutes was that Mark Hestershire still has the voice for radio <laughs> and Kenny you and I have the faces that's right exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Tim Reynolds the Associate Press Mark Kester ESPN Radio thank you for joining me here on the uh, Party Shots Podcast thanks Kenny Thanks, Kenny. That's uh, we'll wrap this podcast up while the final winner in the uh, You Pick a Football contest in just a moment. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late-inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school. Plus, all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Santa Men's basketball coach Carmen Massarello. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Shaw. Back to wrap up the podcast. 
The final winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick Up Football contest was Evelyn Leon of Schenectady. Evelyn wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Evelyn. The VIP winner was Nick Platel of Grand Premier Tires. The overall season winner was Andy Ramnus of Boston Spa, while the VIP champion was Dwayne Leach of All Seasons Equipment. On behalf of the Daily Gazette Advertising Department, which runs the contest, thank you for participating, and we'll see you next season. The Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is back. Pick the top five finishers in the weekly NASCAR race and get a chance to win a $50 ShopRite gift card. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. The Daytona 500 starts the NASCAR season on Sunday. The Daily Gazette has a new sports podcast. It's called Full Court Press Row. Hosted by Michael Kelly, Adam Schinder, and Will Springstead, Full Court Press Row takes a comprehensive look at the Siena and UAlbany men's and women's basketball programs. Full Court Press Row is available wherever you get your podcast. Keep checking out DailyGazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the Capital Region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated or a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Tim Reynolds and Mark Kessischer for coming on the show. I'll have a Union Men's and Women's Hockey podcast coming Thursday as the teams get set for weekend action. I hope you tune in. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette company. I am Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.